Startle us, O God, with your truth and your love. Come among us in glory and power and with care. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, may they be acceptable in your sight. For you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This great parable that Jesus tells in the 25th chapter of Matthew is better understood if we first say what it is not about. For starters, this is not a story about hell. In order to bring home the gravity of the message, Jesus closes the parable with a powerful image about being thrown into the outer darkness. But to think this is a story about hell or about eternal salvation is missing the point. Also, this passage is not about money. Jesus had a great deal to say about money. Money appears in many of his stories and teachings, and in this story, money does serve as the metaphor around which Jesus makes his point. But even though the stewardship committee may cringe to hear me say it just one week from Commitment Sunday, today's story is not about money. What this story is about is living. Living. And in the midst of living, how to think about things like taking a few risks, not letting fear overwhelm you, and avoiding regrets over the chances you did not take. In the story, a rich man leaves home to go on a long journey. Before he departs, he summons his slaves and entrusts his property to them. He gives each one a significant sum of money. A talent was the equivalent of a laborer's daily wage for the sum total of 15 years. And in this story, the rich man gives one of his slaves five talents, an entire lifetime worth of income. To another, he gives two talents, or 30 years' wages. And to a third, he gives one talent. He entrusts this money to them while he is away. In all three cases, the amount they are given is so significant that some linguists believe this story led to our modern understanding of the word talent, a God-given ability that one can use for living. The rich man departs on his journey, and the three slaves take what they have been given and they get to work. The first slave invests his five talents, and by the time that the rich man returns, he has doubled his money. He gives the master five more talents. The one who was given two also doubles his money. He comes back with two more. The third slave was afraid. He says to the rich man, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. 
The master blesses the first two, and he puts them in charge of even more things, and he severely reprimands the third for being wicked and lazy. The hyperbole of casting him into the outer darkness, again, it is there to bring home the importance of the point Jesus is making. A point about living. Do not miss that there is real risk in this story. You do not have to be a financial advisor to know that you've got to take some bold chances in order to double your money. The first two slaves in this story might very well have come back with nothing at all. And as the third slave tells us, there was good reason to try to avoid that. The master is described as a harsh man, one who is worth fearing. But this is where it is important to remember that this story is not about money. The master Jesus is describing, God, God is not looking for the best return on an investment. The story is about living. God is trying to help us live without fear and regret. God doesn't need more money. What God wants is for us not to bury our talents in the earth. It feels funny to talk about risk this week as COVID cases reach new record highs. So I'm going to take a moment for the first time since the spring to say in the context of a sermon, wear your mask, wash your hands, stay at home or out of contact with other people as much as you can. This is not a time to throw caution to the wind and gather in your dining room with the friends you've been missing. The risk this story is talking about has nothing to do with COVID-19. However, there is a kind of risky behavior that God calls us toward. And there are still opportunities for that type of behavior in this time of pandemic. I think I can describe that type of risk to you. One week from today, we hope that most of you will have turned in your pledge for 2021. So this is going to be my once-a-year push for that annual campaign. I know some people don't like to hear the pastor talk about money, but I know others of you just want some plain, straight talk about it. So bear with me for a few moments. Like most churches, Knox always receives a significant amount of our income in December. People are making their year-end decisions in December, and Advent and Christmas are times when we see great worship attendance. Since the start of the pandemic, so many of you have been generous and faithful with your giving, and we thank you. Our giving has remained strong throughout this year, and the needs around our community, they have grown exponentially. So, we have been taking some risks. We don't know what this unusual coming December will be like, and we do not know what you will commit for 2021. But you have been generous so far, and the needs out there are great, and so we have been taking some calculated risks. 
In addition to honoring all of our existing mission commitments, we have given tens of thousands of dollars in extra gifts to help our mission partners, to help them feed people who are hungry, support the unemployed, and safely house the homeless. Many of you are concerned, rightly so, about the way that the pandemic has amplified existing disparities in health and wealth. People of color in our community have been hit hardest by this pandemic. So, without knowing what December will bring, the session has already shared with you their intention, their hope of adding $50,000 to the Knox budget for a new racial justice ministry. Individuals are taking risks for Knox also. Four of our Knox families have pledged a total of $125,000 over and above their usual pledge as a matching gift. The match encourages everyone to increase their pledge or to make a pledge for the first time. If you have never made a pledge before and you're not sure how much to give, I'm linking another sermon from last year where I made some suggestions about how to think about that. In next week's stewardship video, you're going to hear an amazing story about risk from one Knox family. A couple of years ago, this young family found themselves constantly anxious about money, always wondering how there would be enough. So they prayed about it, and they decided it was time to start tithing. They tell an amazing story about taking the risk to, uh, to fear. They tell an amazing story about the risk they took and how it helped them to alleviate their fears of not having enough. You've also got to watch this week's video. Christine Carley talks about being a mentor in the Knox Third Friendship Ministry. It is a great example of these adults and kids who are taking the risk of a new friendship with someone who is different from them. Lives are being transformed. Christine's amazing quote in that video is, you don't have to be perfect, you just have to be present. All of the people who participate in this growing mentorship ministry have taken a risk. The relationships are not always easy. But I have yet to hear a story from someone who regrets having taken the risk. I know Jana shared in a sermon not too long ago that when we read the Bible, a great question always worth asking is, what is God up to in this story? So what is God up to in the parable of the talents? In telling us this story, Jesus wants to show us a God who is amazingly generous and willing to take risks. God gives out talents, gives them on amazing scale and not without risk. In this story, we see the master hand out talents and then step away from the ways they are used. God does not micromanage how our talents are used or whether they are used at all. God frees us to take responsibility for our talents. 
And Jesus is clear that the responsibility is a great one. There are consequences if we fearfully take our talent and bury it in the earth. Every time I hear this story, it reminds me of a sermon I once heard by a great preacher named Cleophas LaRue. He's a professor at Princeton Seminary. He remarked that many of us hear this sermon and we assume that we are like the one who was given five talents, or at least the one who was given two. Especially if we live somewhat comfortable lives, we say things like, I know I'm blessed, probably more than most, God has been good to me. But the reality is that we all know of ways our lives are limited by fear. Our minds, LaRue says, are factories of fear, turning out all of the many ways in which things might not go well. We forget about grace, and we irrationally worry that God is out to get us for some mistake we made in the past. We know that things could be better, but it is hard to let go of our fears. Cleo LaRue invites us to consider that we may very well be that third slave in the story. Often we are tempted to believe that we are not as good or as smart or as faithful as the next person, so we've been tempted to bury our talents in the earth. Dig it up. That's what Cleo LaRue says. Dig it up before the master comes home. So many of the things we worry about do not ever come to pass. And if we can let go of some of our fears about what might be, our generous God will reveal to us talents we had forgotten or did not even realize we had. I wonder in what way God has prepared you for these challenging times. A time when your church needs you and the world needs you. When so many of our neighbors are hungry or jobless, lonely or anxious, disconnected and in need of a friend, what talent has God given you for the living of these days? How will you use your talent? Dig it up, my friends. Dig it up. <laughs>